said, I'm happy to be here. My name is Genesis. Everyone say, yo, Genesis. And I have a question. How many of you guys are the host house for Thanksgiving? Meaning everybody is coming into your house. They eat all your food. Okay, kind of. Okay, so that means who goes to somebody else's house for Thanksgiving? That's great. Y'all don't have to clean your rooms. Y'all don't have to deal with that stress. Wow. You still have to, you still have to clean your house? That's just messed up. I mean, I'm not trying to come at your mom or anything, but for me, I never even understood why I had to clean my room if no one was going to be in my room. I can't imagine cleaning your room and then going to somebody else's house. So I'll be praying for you. So I'm excited because my mom moved to North Carolina about like four or five years ago, and she's back to Florida. So I'm already thinking about how, like, awesome her food is going to be this year because, like, like I said, we're Puerto Rican, so there's arroz con gandules, there's pasteles, there's pernil, like, and my mom already cooks bomb, like, on a day-to-day, but it's just different on Thanksgiving. My mom wakes up at, like, 3 a.m. to put the turkey in the oven. Couldn't be me, and when I have kids, it won't be me. I'll tell you that right now. And because I'm so excited for how much or all the food that my mom is going to make, I'm already trying to plan, like, how many plates I'm going to eat. But, like, you have to, like... You have to be careful with the details and, like, the minutes of that because you can't eat three plates in one sitting. At least I can't. Can anybody eat three plates in one sitting? Okay, I love that this girl, Amelia, she was proud. She said, yup, I can eat three plates. I love that girl. Be proud of that. Yes. So for me, I have a system, right? I wake up in the morning, and I don't eat, like, a big breakfast. Some people do, but I just don't only because... For me, if I eat a big breakfast, then I'll be full, right? So I need to make sure there's enough room to fit some food in there, okay? But I still need to eat something because for me, I'm the type of person where if I'm hungry for a long time, I'm just not hungry anymore. Does anybody else relate to that or am I just super weird? Like, okay, like five of y'all, perfect. At least there's five of y'all that relate to me. That's all good. So for me, I'm going to eat like a piece of toast, which is like really sad, but I'm going to eat a piece of toast to make sure I eat something and I stay hungry. And then we eat Thanksgiving lunch. Who does Thanksgiving lunch compared to dinner? Who eats like at around noon? Wow, I feel so weird. Okay, so who eats dinner? Okay, well, I'm just saying it's better to eat it for lunch because you eat it for lunch and then you eat it again for dinner. So just saying I have it better. So I'm going to eat my toast. I'm going to eat lunch. going to breathe, maybe nap a little bit. Those Thanksgiving naps, phenomenal. They're needed. It's like therapy, right? So Thanksgiving nap, wake up, eat some more, breathe a little bit, eat some more, breathe a little bit, dessert. That's my plan, right? And so I have this schedule, but as I'm thinking about it, something is telling me, girl, you can barely eat one plate of food in one sitting. So I'm telling myself I probably shouldn't eat all of this food can anybody tell me why I probably shouldn't eat all this food? Just say it. A stomach ache, I could get sick, I could get nauseous. There's actually a funny story where in January, me and my husband, ooh, because we just got married in January, we, we were on our honeymoon in San Antonio, right, which my husband, he Tierso, I'm going to just say his name. He was the, the guitar dude, okay? So Tierso, he had to plan the entire honeymoon by himself. 
because for me, I'm an overthinker, and I didn't want to plan it at all. So he planned our honeymoon. He decided what we were going to do while we were in San Antonio. He decided where we were going to eat. And honestly, it was great because when you're planning a wedding, you just don't even want to focus on the honeymoon because it's just too much. You have too much stress. So he planned the honeymoon, and we ended up at this place called Pancake Joe's. Y'all, I would go back to San Antonio just for this restaurant alone. Like, it was so good. For me, I love cinnamon rolls. And, like, I love French toast. But have y'all ever had cinnamon roll French toast? I'm telling y'all, it is life-changing. I have a picture, actually, of our food. Okay, just so you can see how good this was. So, hang on. He got pancakes, right, and, like, a little orange, whatever. Hash browns. And I got cinnamon roll French toast, which is three pieces of French toast. And, y'all, they, were, they don't look that big in the picture, but they were humongous, okay? And then I got biscuits and gravy. So one of the things I love about being married is, like, you share food. So, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to get the biscuits and gravy, and you get the hash browns, and I give you a biscuit, you give me half of your hash browns. And that's what we did. So that was, like, I love being married, y'all. It's great. And so while I'm sitting there and I'm eating this food, I got full after one piece of French toast and, like, one bite of the biscuit. And there was two biscuits and three French toasts. Like, I had so much food left over. But, guys, it was seriously so good that I could not stop eating. And I kept going. And, y'all, we cleared all four plates. Like, that should have been, thank you for the applause. I appreciate that because that was hard. But it was so good that, like, I just couldn't stop. You guys ever have something like that where you were eating something and it's just so good that, like, you feel like you can't breathe but you still want to finish? That was it for me, okay? But on the way back to the Airbnb, y'all, I felt so sick and felt like I couldn't breathe. Y'all, I swear I gained five pounds in that chair because I had to unbutton my pants, y'all, because I couldn't breathe. I literally could not breathe. And so we had to cancel everything we were going to do because I just felt so sick to my stomach, right? I think sometimes we do that with God. I think sometimes in life we are going to want all these things, even though we know deep down it's probably not good for us, we go after it anyways, and when it doesn't work out, we blame God, right? And what I mean by that is on the way to the Airbnb, I was like, Tirso, you should have stopped me. You should have slapped the fork out of my hand. You know, you know we've been dating for two years, and you mean to tell me you think I can finish three French toasts and two biscuits and a hash brown and some of your pancakes? You should have slapped the fork out of my hand. We do that with God, okay? So I think for me, and I don't know about you, but there has been so many things in my life where I wanted something so badly that I started to act like I was God. Acting like everything and all my decisions, I'm in full control. Acting like I'm the one that determines my future, right? My motto sometimes has been, if I want it, I'm going to get it, right? When I go to the store and I see a pair of heels, if I want it, I'm going to get it. If I go to McDonald's and I'm hungry and I want a cheeseburger, if I want it, I'm going to get it, right? But I've learned over time that even though you want it, doesn't mean you need to get it, right? So today I'm going to be talking about greed. Everyone say greed. Now, greed, if you've ever heard this word before, you probably heard it associated with what? Does anybody know greed? When someone's like, you greedy, money. I'm not talking about money today, okay? 
Um, I'm actually going to give you the definition of what greed is. So greed, and read what is highlighted. Greed is to have a desire to have more of something you. I love how it says we are going to have a strong desire to have something you do not need. Because greed is want, right? And I know that I said Greed is more than just money. And this isn't just my opinion. This is Bible, okay? In Luke 12, 15, it says, beware, guard against of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This verse is telling us every kind of greed, meaning there is more than one type of greed. You can have greed in your likes and your followers. Wanting to have more, having a strong desire to want more people to know you on social media. So maybe because you have this itch or this urge to have more likes and more followers, you start posting things you shouldn't be posting because you know that gets more attention. Maybe you want more biceps or better grades, right? But for some reason, you just feel like, oh, that's just so much work, though, but I really, really want biceps. I really, really want better grades. So you start using the people around you. You know you don't want this person in your life, but you know what? This person is really good at weightlifting. I'm going to pretend to be his friend just so I can get what I want. This girl, she is so smart in class. She's kind of annoying. She's smart, though, and I'm going to sit next to her, be her friend. So my, my exams, my assignments, and my homeworks, or my homework is all A's. I think a big difference between really, really wanting something and greed is that greed, you end up hurting someone along the way, Okay? I think it's really important that we have these conversations about greed and how they affect us in our life because this is something that everyone is going to have to go through at some point. And I think the enemy, his goal is to take you out, but in like a sneaky way, in a way that you won't expect it. Greed starts off really, really slow and then ends up being extremely destructive in the end, okay? So our want and our greed is going to make us lose our focus on God if we're not careful. We're going to think that our want is way more important than what God has to say for our lives. And when we have greed, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have dissatisfaction in your life. You're going to be jealous in comparing yourselves to those who have what you want. You're going to have shallow relationships and be sneaky. Because when you are feeling greedy, when you're feeling like you want something... Typically, that's not something that you want to tell somebody. Just like going back to the biceps thing, if you want bigger biceps and you're using the guy, you're not going to tell him, yo, I'm using you. You're hiding that. You're being sneaky about it. There is a man in the Bible who struggled with greed, and his name was Judas. Everyone say Judas. If you have never heard of Judas before, I'm going to explain it in the best way that I can in the Genesis way. Okay, not the book of Genesis, but this person Genesis, right? So Judas, he was one of the disciples, which basically means he was one of Jesus's like crew, whatever you want to call it. He was one of the disciples and he had known Jesus for three years. How many years? He known him for three years. They knew each other, which means they had relationship. Throughout those three years, Judas was in charge of the money bag, meaning He was making sure money needed to go where it needed to, and he was in charge of making sure that, like, it was being safe, right? 
But throughout those three years, he was secretly putting some of it in his pocket and using it for himself. Throughout those years, he was the person that was trusted to take care of the money, but he was just, yeah, 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 I got you. I'll take care of the money. And he was, I don't know, buying Jordans, whatever that was back then. Like, you know, the strappy sandals? I feel like he probably had, like, the bougiest ones and was like, oh, my mom made it. Don't worry about it. My mom made it. So with Judas, he was secretly stealing money. And then at the very end of his relationship with Jesus, he ended up telling these guards, right, telling these guards, hey, I know you want Jesus, like, really bad. Um, I'll give him to you if you just, you know, give me some money. And he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Do y'all know how much 30 pieces of silver is worth today? I want some guesses. How many pieces, how much is it worth today? $36? More than that. More. How big is the, I don't know, like this, like a quarter? I don't know. I have no idea. That's a great question, though. So 30 pieces of silver today is worth, is worth less than $500. So for the adults in the room, they're probably like, wow, that's nothing. Because when you have a lot of bills, stuff just starts to pile up, and it's not fun. $500 is great, but it's also like it's not going to pay all my bills. I was salty at that. Because you mean to tell me the son of God, he was doing all these miracles and Judas saw him doing all these miracles. You mean to tell me he was only worth 30 pieces of silver to you? For me, that was just kind of like a gut check. Because I think Judas, when he first met Jesus, I don't know if he would have been willing to do that. I think because of how he had a slow fade, he was slowly putting money in his pockets. And eventually, he wanted some more money. Now, I know I said I wasn't going to be talking about money or that greed isn't just that. Because a lot of historians believe that Judas, of course, was greedy for money. But he was also greedy for power and for his own attention. So with him, how the guards convinced him, and again, this is the Genesis version, right? The guards go up to him and they're like, hey, Judas, you know Jesus? I know he's doing all these miracles. And, like, I know he's here to, you know, like bring a revolution and to bring change. But, like, do you believe him? It's been three years. Are you sure? Trust me, he's a fraud. Trust me, okay? I'm going to give you these 30 pieces of silver, and we'll arrest him, and I'll prove to you that he's a fraud. So Judas automatically, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm the one that's going to bring the change that I've been waiting for Jesus to do. I'm waiting on Jesus to do all of these things, and he's not doing it. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Judas acted like God because he made a decision that he should not have made. He should have trusted in Jesus, especially if this man is turning water into wine, y'all. But he didn't. He wasn't willing to keep waiting on God, so he started to act like God. But here's the thing. His greed, he thought he was going to feel satisfied, but he was never satisfied. Because at the end of Judas's life, he took the 30 pieces of silver And he threw them and he wept. He didn't even want them. Because he realized that everything that he had been chasing, the power, the money, it wasn't even worth it. It ended up hurting him way more. And I think that this is important for us to apply to our lives and know that sometimes we're going to have to wait on God a little bit. That thing that you want, I am so sorry it is not here yet. But that doesn't mean that God's not working on you right now. We have to trust that God's plans are so much better than our wants. Ambition and goals, 
That's important. I'm not here to tell you that thing that you want, you shouldn't want it. Like, you need to have goals. You need to have an idea of where you want to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. If you want to be a doctor, that's great. Go for it. If you want to have a new car in 10 years, trust me, I remember that feeling. Go for it. Save up the money and do whatever you have to do to get that car. But what if that is not, that is not God's plan for you? What if that plan and that hope that you have that God is going to do in your life, what if that's not it? I think one of the biggest pills that I've had to swallow is that unfortunately I have no control over what's going to happen in my future. And I just need to trust that God knows what he's doing and that his plans, he's working. How many of y'all love dessert? How many of y'all are sweet toots? Okay, what do you guys like to eat for dessert? We got ice cream. We got brownies. Did I hear Chick-fil-A? Oh, cheesecake. I was about to say, I mean, they got cookies. They got cookies. Brownie, cheesecake, yes, all these things, right? The sweet tooth people, y'all are probably not even worried about Thanksgiving dinner, and y'all are thinking about Thanksgiving dessert, right? And that's okay. We need sweet tooths in our lives. That's okay. I love me some ice cream, and I love me some tembleque. Thank you very much. Children, they love dessert. They love ice cream. They love cake. If it was up to a child to pick what they wanted to eat throughout the day, I'm telling you, breakfast, ice cream. Lunch, ice cream. Dessert, mm, ice cream sundae with a brownie. Kids just want to eat dessert, and they want to keep eating and eating and eating. But eventually, mom is going to pop into the picture and be like, no, you need your carrots. No. You need your celery. You need your broccoli. You need ugh, all that stuff that no one really likes, Right? We do the same thing in our faith. I want to get accepted into that university. I want you to provide all the money and the finances that I need to go to that school that I want to go to. But maybe God is saying, no, you need to be here in Lakeland. That's what's good for you. I really want that cute boy, that cute girl to be my boyfriend, to be my girlfriend. But it's just not working out, God. What are you doing? She says she's a Christian. She goes to church. He goes to church. They pray. At least they say they pray. What's going on, God? Maybe God is saying no, because if that worked out, that person would have ruined you. And I'm looking out for you. We have to trust and believe that God truly knows what he's doing. In Jeremiah 29, 11, and again, read the highlighted words. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper you and plans to give you a hope and I think a lot of times, and again, we're talking about those things that we really, really want to the point where we don't mind hurting another person. We do all of these things, and we want God to give us that blessing we've been waiting on, but then when it doesn't happen, we start thinking, well, God, you know my, you know my deepest desires. You know my heart. You know what I've been praying for, and I didn't get it. I don't get it, God. How can I trust you if you don't give me what I want? But in that verse, it says, God has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a hope and a future. If something did not work out for you, it was for your good. If it did work for you and you didn't want it to work for you, it was for your good. Everything that happens for your life is for your good. Say, it's for my good. God is protecting each and every single one of us. And I think one thing that's really important to know when it comes to greed is that we have to know that today what we have 
is enough. Everyone say enough. Greed loves to like whisper in your ears and tell you that the things that you have right now is not good enough. Where you are right now is not good enough. It says that who you are is not good enough. With greed, we're always trying to focus on the next bigger thing. We're always trying to focus on, okay, once I get to this part right here, I'm going to be happy. But in the beginning of my message, remember I said that greed just only gives you dissatisfaction. So you tell yourself, I really want to be here. And then when you're here, you want to go that way. If we are not careful, we have to guard our hearts. And I think for me, I was asking myself, how in the world can I battle against greed? Right? Because I think a lot of times, and studies have shown that if you're battling with greed, you don't know it. Because of today's culture, we're telling ourselves, if you want it, go get it. Get your money bag. Do all this stuff, right? We don't know that we're struggling with greed. So it's important, one, to know that, okay, maybe what I want is not healthy. The cure to help you through that is to just be thankful for what you have and who you are. I know for me, I need something specific to be thankful for. Because if you've never felt thankful for anything in your life, like if you don't even feel grateful for your parents, for the fact that you're still breathing right now, if you don't feel grateful for anything, it's important to know how do I be thankful for something. So I want to give you guys three T's. Everyone say three T's. The first one is time. I want to challenge you guys that moving forward every single day, you have 24 hours and for like eight of them, you're asleep. Unless you are not a morning person, then you're asleep for like half of the day, 12 hours, right? Find something in your day to be thankful for. Whether it's for your parents, whether it's for a good conversation that you had, or whether it's just for the fact of, I don't feel like I have anything to be grateful for, so I'm just going to be grateful that I'm breathing right now. Thank you, God. The second T is your talent. I think it's important to know that each and every single one of you were made differently. Each and every single one of you have talents that the person next to you does not have. Some of you can draw, and I think it's important that we feel thankful that when we're upset or we had a long day, we can draw, and that helps us take our mind off of it. We can feel thankful for singing, because when I'm here on a blends day and I'm worshiping, I don't sound like the dying chicken next to me. Like, I think that's important that you can sing really good. And the third thing is your treasure. Be grateful for those things that you can touch. Studies have shown that greed and typically just wanting something more comes from a lack of love or care in our life. I was wondering, like, Judas, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you saw Jesus, you knew who Jesus was. Like, for me, I can't wait to meet Jesus one day and thank him for everything that he's done in my life. And the fact that Judas was standing right next to him and completely betrayed him, I just can't wrap my head around that. One thing that I thought was interesting about Judas is that all the other disciples were from this city called Galilee, and he was the only one that wasn't. He was from a completely different town. And for me, I'm like, okay, me being from Polk City is completely different than somebody being from Miami. You know what I'm saying? Cows, I don't even know if they know what a cow is in Miami, okay? So for me, I can only imagine what Judas was feeling when he was hanging out with these, with these people that related with each other that could tell about a story that happened in Galilee and he would have no idea what they were talking about. Judas, I think he stayed really superficial with his relationships with the other disciples. 
I think he let his feeling of being left out get the best of him, honestly. Because I think a lot of times there's going to be a moment in our life where we're not going to feel like we belong somewhere. And we're going to feel just like Judas where I don't feel like I belong, so I'm going to have to look out for myself. It doesn't make what Judas did right. What Judas did, it was still wrong. He shouldn't have betrayed Jesus. He shouldn't have been stealing money from them. He shouldn't have wanted power and fame. He should have just let go and turned to Jesus, the one who was right next to him. I'm here to tell you right now that Jesus is right next to you guys. You guys are going through things. You guys are, I can't even imagine being in your shoes, but I'm telling you right now, if you don't turn to Jesus and give it to him, you're going to have greed. You're going to chase after things that don't even feel you right. You're trying to fill yourself with things that don't give you value. The only thing that is going to give you value is Jesus. You guys can stand to your feet. One of my favorite verses that I have to constantly remind myself on, because this is something that I'm still working on too, is Luke 12, verse 31. And it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Some issues are impossible for us to to fix. And we have to stop acting like we have all the answers. Stop acting like we got this under control. Stop acting like nobody is out there fighting for you. If you have a lack of love or care in your life, you feel like no one's been fighting for you. You feel like you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, no one is going to have your back. And I'm here to tell you right now that Jesus has your back. But in order to move forward, we have to turn to him and admit that we're hurting, admit that we need comfort, admit that we are not under control, and admit that we are not God. Depression and negative thoughts that you have in your head can cause you to stray away from God and cause you to try to fill your life with other things. But what if we stop feeding those negative thoughts and and those things that cause us to have depression? What if we stop feeding it the things that we think is helping? What if we fill it with the thing that we need to fill it with instead? God's plan for our lives is way better than we could ever think. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each and every single one of these students that are in this room, God. I pray, Lord, that you do something amazing in their lives. I pray, God, that that feeling that they've been having of really, really wanting something, that feeling of the disappointment that they've been feeling, God, I pray that you remind them that you are fighting for them, God. I pray that you remind them that you have their back, that you are their protector, Lord. I pray in Jesus' mighty name, God, that you help them moving forward to just be thankful, to be content, and to make them realize that you have given them everything they need even if it's not what they want, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God that heals, you are a God that provides, and a God that protects. We love you and we praise you. Amen.